This is episode 205 of the Beyond the Food show. And today we talked to Kate Nortrup about cyclical living and its deep connection with intuitive eating and also the concept of surrendering and its magic. You don't want to miss this one. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food method and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image and food. It's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, sister. Welcome back. Today is day of interview. I was looking through the episode. I'm like, it's been so long since we did an interview. And I'm very anxious for you to discover my guest today. Her name is Kate Northrop. She's a friend of mine. She's an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, a speaker, a mother. She's built a multi-million dollar digital empire And she did all of that by doing less. And her secret is what we're going to talk about today is cyclical living. When she sent me her book, and the title is Doing Less or Do Less, I think, I was expecting a business book because that's what she does. And then I was reading page two, three. I'm like, oh, my God, she's talking about cyclical living, which at that point about six months ago, I was doing. I had read a book from Rebecca Campbell titled Rise, Sister, Rise, and she was talking about cyclical living and had started to implement it in my life. And then boom, Kate came in with a book based on how to run a business on cyclical living. I'm like, oh my God, this is a message from the universe. So I have been practicing cyclical living for almost a year now. And at the end of the interview, I'll talk to you on how you can practice that for yourself. But cyclical living came into my life as a mean of deepening the connection between me and my body messages. Now, if you're new to the podcast, you're like, what the heck is a body message? It's that internal cue, this way of communication between you, you, the spirit, the soul, this higher self, and your body, right? We do that when we eat intuitively. Instead of following rules and external cue, we tap into this internal cue, these body messages about hunger, fullness, and satisfaction to guide our relationship to food. Now, this body messages, this intuitive power that our body has is not only in place with food, but it extends to everything in life. Now, if you're new to intuitive eating, you're like, whoa, Stephanie, you're way ahead of what I'm doing. And that is totally cool, right? If you're just discovered that your body has an innate wisdom, that your body is smart enough to know what to eat, when to eat, and how much to eat. This episode may be just over the edge for you, and that's totally cool. But it can also be a way in which you can enhance your ability to feel these hunger, fullness, and satisfaction cue, right? So no matter where you are in the spectrum of intuitive eating and even body neutrality or body acceptance, You can look at this episode as just another tool in your toolbox to enhance this skill set, this ability to tap in to the wisdom of your body. Furthermore, if you are kind of struggling or working on your body image and you're learning what I teach, which is body neutrality, right? This middle space between body hatred and body positivity, where we see our body as this vehicle for us to go through life, then looking at cyclical living will be awesome for you because this body of yours, that is this female body, has a uterus and it has a cycle. And with that comes a whole bunch of, quote, side effects of hormone fluctuation, of physical symptoms, cramps, and PMS. So 
if you can be attuned to your uterus and its cycle, what else can it bring into your body image, right? It turns around this perception that we are our beauty, our physical body versus us being a vehicle, a machine to allow our higher self, our soul, our spirit to go through life and tap in to this machine, right? So there's different angle into which you can look at this episode. And if you're overwhelmed, it's totally cool. Like stop the episode, move on to some of the basic episode, and then you can come back in a few months from now. I also want to say to my Instagram followers, which by the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, you're missing out big time. I've been sitting on this episode for two months now, and you, my Instagram follower, because of the survey we did about a week ago, I'm releasing this episode because of you, right? So one of the things we do on Instagram stories all the time is I do surveys and I do polls and I ask you questions and it guides how I run my business. And this is because of Instagram. You guys told me at 98% that you wanted to learn about cyclical living. So this is it, sister. So I am very pleased to bring you my friend, Kate Nortrup. And today we're going to talk about self-worth. We're going to talk about patriarchy. We're going to talk about cyclical living, what it is and how to implement it in your life. The deep connection between cycle wisdom, what Kate refers to as egg wisdom and body image and how to connect it all with intuitive eating and cyclical living. So let's move over to Kate. So welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here. We often recognize ourselves in the stories of others and and the power of storytelling is so strong and it came through in your book. And I've been following your work, as I was saying, for a number of years, but reading your book, Do Less, really brought me to the next level in connection with you. And you shared in your work this story about how you were thought through your parents about work, 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 and productivity being the meaning of your work. And that is so my story. And I I just embark from there into your book. So let's talk about this whole notion of worth equaling productivity. If you don't mind sharing a little bit of story around that for my listener. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was raised by two wonderful people who were, you know, are from the Northeast super, super focused on education and this somewhat puritanical belief that the more we do, the more valuable we are. And this idea of the inherent value of hard work that sort of, it's a, what is it called? What is one of those things like a, you know, the charity and gratitude, like what are, those are called virtues. Yeah. Virtues. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is that word? The virtue that hard work makes you a virtuous person. And listen, I love, I'm very committed. I believe in giving your full self to your highest purpose. Absolutely. And so I think that sometimes people conflate the concept of do less with laziness, but that's just because of our cultural conditioning. So I was raised by two doctors. They both went to Ivy League universities. They were just, you know, the medical field in general is so sick. It's so toxic the way that medical training trains people when the whole industry is supposed to be about healing and health and doctors are working 24 hour shifts. And, you know, I have stories of friends who are physicians who were like really, really ill and were hooked up to IV fluids, wearing a depends diaper because of diarrhea while doing surgery because they weren't able to be let off their shifts. I mean, insane toxicity. So, that's who raised me. These people who had been brainwashed <laughs> to believe that sacrificing our own well-being at the altar of work makes us inherently more valuable. And I don't believe that. And so it was <laughs> basically me watching their careers and watching what they sacrificed. And some of it was responsible for, you know, the privilege that I have had. 
and some of it was unnecessary to just say like, okay, that's one way of doing things. What are some other options? And I looked out at the world and saw a few other options, primarily in the entrepreneurship space. But, you know, becoming an entrepreneur myself at the age of 18, I totally just started doing the same thing, thinking like more work is just inherently better. So let me do more webinars. Let me log more hours on the computer. If I want to make more money, I just have to work more hours. And yeah, I think most people assume that that's the case, but it's not. It's interesting because it's an unconscious learning that we have because we learn and we talk a lot about that, about subconscious behavior, because that's a lot of our relationship to food and also our body image. It's things we've learned from our environment. And for me, it came at the age of 36 when I literally crashed and burned from my corporate career of having been valued, not only thinking productivity was valued, but having been rewarded because society rewards us for being productive and working hard. Yes, it does. But I want to make a distinction between productivity and hard work. Okay. Because just because you put in a lot of hours and put in a lot of effort does not mean you're going to get results. I have put in hundreds of hours. We did in 2018, we launched this program we worked really hard. We put in a ton of hours and sales were like, (laughs) (laughs) because there were so many reasons it didn't work. And, And listen, sometimes things just don't work and that's just the way it is. So, but for that particular thing, we were not employing the do less philosophy. We were really had lost track of asking does this matter? Does this serve our core customer? Is this really the highest and best use of our time and energy? And the truth is no, because we were going too fast. And so oftentimes I think that as ambitious women, we think that moving faster means more success. And I have found time and time again, that when I slow down and do fewer things, I do them better and then I get better results. So I actually get more productive the less I do. That's very interesting. And that's part also the book that made me connect to you is the fact that you said at some point, I think at the beginning, this is not a book about me telling you what to do, but it's about us learning together. That although you wrote this book, you are open enough to say, well, I still reverted back to this whole unconscious state of mind that I learn in my environment. And I repeat it again. Totally. And I've done that a lot. Like I still do that. I mean, I think that all we can expect of ourselves is to get a little bit better every year (laughs) and still we'll slide into old patterning. Yes. But I think the key is that we pop out of it faster. Yes, because we're more aware. We're more aware. And I know that I still have this belief that I'm unlearning, which is I don't have time to have fun or I don't have time to feel good. It's ridiculous. I know this isn't the case, but I'll sometimes I'll make choices, right? So right now in my life, one thing that I'm doing to continue to learn is I'm doing this 30 day challenge with two other girlfriends where I am choosing things that feel good above things that I think will make me successful. And every day I'm just repatterning. I'm repatterning. Like I realized I had a massage schedule that somehow didn't end up on my calendar And I had this other appointment and I was like, I'm going to reschedule the massage. And then I was like, nope, nope, (laughs) I'm rescheduling the other appointment. And just that was so revolutionary. It's interesting because for people listening, as you are attempting to change your learned behavior around food and body image, and we'll get into that because Kate has a story around that as well, but it's not like a flip that you switch. It's something that you have to put conscious effort around rewiring what your worth is from being from that place of achievement to, and we'll go into where you can find your worth somewhere else, but it's a conscious effort you have to do all the time. It really is. It really is. It's, it's just vigilance. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be tiring, right? It can be fun. Like doing this 30 day challenge is super fun. We, you know, we pinky swore together over dinner that we were going to do it and it feels enlivening. It feels joyful. And so I really want to encourage people and invite people to choose the things that feel good. And those I do believe joy is inherently valuable. Hmm. Whether you can see a direct result of joy or not, it's valuable just in and of itself. And so 
we want to practice choosing the things that feel like joy more often. And that's what do less is about, right? It's about rewiring this notion of vertical productivity by going through different choices of joy. Yeah. Is that the formula here? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good, simple way to say it. So how was your journey in learning that? And what have you gone through to disconnect yourself worth from your productivity and from your achievement into something else? Well, it started when I got pregnant with my first daughter. I just couldn't do anything. I was so tired. And I, I'm an athlete. I'm a very strong person physically. And I'd never had a situation where I couldn't overcome a physical obstacle through pushing harder. <sighs> and, you know, like I could always just give it a little extra grunt and like open the jar of pickles or whatever. <laughs> yes. And it was really hard. I mean, it was really like a whole identity shift to say, I can't push harder. Like my body has nothing to give because I am making a human. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful for that experience. I cut my work hours about in half, but my husband and I run our own company. We didn't have a backup plan financially. He doesn't, you know, it's not like I was depending on his paycheck or something like we pay for our lives. And so we needed to get the same results financially with me working half the amount of time. And for people to understand you are the face of the company, for people yes. may not follow you from a business perspective, which you should, but you're the face of the company and your husband is kind of the, the background, like yes. logistic and exactly. operations, the logistics operation. So if you can't be doing the business, that means there's no business because you're not out there. You're the product of the business, right? Yes. I am the product. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth. And in most couples business like that online, one of them is the face, right? So if they can't be front, then the business doesn't happen. Well, yeah. And that's, so that's what you would think, right? Yes. So, and then we also had this first year of parenthood when our daughter was born, I struggled with postpartum insomnia, anxiety. She was not sleeping. I mean, she didn't sleep through the night until she was 20 months and we're talking like waking up every hour. So it was brutal and she was sick and blah, blah, all the things. And I, we only had 10 hours of childcare. So then both of us reduced our work hours quite a bit that first year. And I also just like didn't care about our business <laughs> because I was so tired. I didn't care. I just said, whatever. And so we sat down the September, a year after she was born. So this is one year and nine months into working significantly less than I'd ever worked in my adult life. And we had made the same amount of money. Hmm. And so then we were like, well, <laughs> what were we doing all those other years when we could have just worked half as much and made the same amount? Now, granted, I love my work. So it's not like I'm trying to avoid work yeah. at all costs. Like I love it. It fills me up. Many times I choose to do it over other things on purpose because it's joyful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't need to like grind away. So my own personal experience was, okay, wow, if I listen to my body, if I let my body lead the amount I can work, I can get the same results. Like that's wild. And then I realized, well, my body knew how to make a human being without me needing to think about it consciously. So maybe it knows how to make other things. That is very powerful because women on our podcast are moving from this place of dieting and having someone else tell them how to eat, right? External cue to like learning that we have this innate power within us called our intuition to know how to make food choices. And this is like parallel to your journey. So now you call that cyclical living. And I'd like for us to get into that, but how we tap into our innate wisdom, but it's the same thing you're doing, ladies, you're doing that shift that control that you had externally to moving in. So you call that cyclical living. And it's funny, when I was reading your book, I actually was reading the book from Rebecca Campbell. Oh, Rise, Sister Rise, almost at the same time. You guys were like talking to me separately about the exact same message. Oh, I love that. I love, I love Rebecca. Yeah. She's wonderful. She's about to have her first baby. Is she? Um, she is. <laughs> Good luck <Anyway>. to her. <laughs> So, yeah, so this concept of cyclical living, I 
I was familiar with the phases of the menstrual cycle, sort of. I mean, I was raised by an OBGYN who's like into this stuff. But it wasn't until I got my period back after having my first daughter. She was 13 months old and I got my first period back. And and all of a sudden I was like, wow, my body's doing this thing every month in a very predictable way. And I feel differently over the course of the month, also in a very predictable way. And there are these four phases that mimic the energy of the seasons, that mimic the energy of the four phases of the moon. Like that's not by accident. If this structure exists within my body, within the earth, within the moon, perhaps this structure could serve me in other areas of my life because it's the only time management system that somebody didn't just like come up with, right? Mm -hmm. It was sourced from nature, from the cosmos, from the very place that human life comes from. And so, yeah, I started following that. I started following my body, actually tracking my cycle, super basic. And it was like, whoa, look at this. And then I started putting it on my Google calendar. I mean, very simple, you know, it wasn't rocket science. And I was like, and I learned about the four phases and the type of energetic aspects for each phase. And I started organizing my life loosely around the different seasons of my month. And instead of beating myself up when I felt low energy and more inward and maybe a little mentally foggier, I started to embrace the benefits of each phase for what they were, as opposed to beating myself up for not feeling energized and outward and super hyper-focused and active all the time. And just that totally changed my life. That's your intuition. You're talking about this innate force thing, Cosmo, that we were all born with, right? We're born with that that same thing that we can't put our finger on is what drives your food choices if you want to let it be. That will drive you connecting with this inner force that you have within yourself. So do you mind teaching us the basic of those four phases, if you can? Because for many of our listeners, it's going to be something completely new here. Totally. I mean, I hope for a time in the future when this is basic education that happens in the public schools for girls and boys and, you know, anybody who identifies as anything. It's critical information. And so many women, you know, particularly in their 40s, come to me and say, I cannot believe I am just learning this. How, like, how is it possible that this has been happening in my body my entire life and I'm only knowing now? So just know that like, it's great if you're just learning it now, because now you can use it because you're still alive. <laughs> and by the way, whether you have had a hysterectomy, whether you are in perimenopause, whether if you're nursing or pregnant, like if you are a trans woman and you don't have a period, like this still applies because this is kind of the heartbeat of feminine energy. And feminine energy doesn't even necessarily have to, it's not really related to being a woman or identifying as a woman even. So you can use this cyclical framework. And I like to just track the moon as an external something just to track, not that the moon is giving you instructions. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Just to have some other organizing factor to be like, oh, here are some phases going on. How do I feel at different times of the month given some kind of structure that's cyclical? Okay. But you could actually just track how you feel cyclically without something, but I like something. Or for the women that don't have their cycle, and you mentioned that in the book, following the moon cycle for menopausal women. Absolutely. And my mother has done that for years. And I know many menopausal women who have done that for years and have actually tapped into a level of wisdom and depth in their cyclical experience that they never had while they were having their period. Mm -hmm. So everyone can play. So here's how it works. There's the four seasons and they happen on a macro level on planet earth every year and on a micro level every 28 days, give or take. And so they are the springtime energy, which is the same as the follicular phase of your menstrual cycle, which is the same as the waxing moon, the moon getting bigger from new to full. This time, it tends to be a high energy time. It's a time of new beginnings. It's a time of freshness. It's a time of initiation. Your brain is like initiating action steps. Your brain in in your menstrual cycle is very focused on taking action at this time. It's a great time for brainstorming and planning and, and getting things going, putting the wheels in motion. Now, just so you know, if you are having a regular 
menstrual cycle and you're tracking the moon also, I am not saying that you should always be cycling in concert with the moon. And there's also nothing wrong with you if you aren't. I am not right now. It's totally fine. It doesn't bother me. It's not like I'm doing anything wrong. Okay. <laughs> so it's funny. Can I just add something on that? Because my last cycle, which was last week, was like four days. Yeah. So I pulled up my phone, went to my moon calendar, and my cycle was waiting for the new moon to come in. That's cool. And that's why the moment, the night of the new moon, that's when my cycle started. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And if, listen, if you're listening and you're like, but I'd like to try having, what would it feel like to have a menstrual cycle that syncs up with the moon and starts on the day of the new moon? I've had that. It's cool. It's just a different, you know, it's a very, very inward energy as opposed to cycling with the full moon, which is more of an outward energy. They're both great, but you can set the intention to sync up with the moon if you want. And you can do that by literally just thinking to yourself, I want to switch my cycle and also spending time in the moonlight. Yes. Well, just like doing a little moon gazing. It could be three minutes a day, go out at night, be in the moonlight and just like connect with the moon and you'll be amazed what happens. That's how I got my period back. I lost my period because I went on this really intense food and exercise program before my wedding and I could not get my period back for months and I got it back through moon gazing, which sounds like an incredibly woo woo thing to say. And also increasing my body fat. So those things work really well together. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the springtime energy. Then the summertime energy is the same as the full moon energy. It's the same as the ovulation energy. This is a time of fertility. This is a time of receptivity, of magnetism. It's a very outward time. It's the time you're going to feel the most social, the most verbally fluent, the sexiest probably for a lot of people. Waitresses report getting their highest tips while they're ovulating. I have certainly had the experience of going out when I'm ovulating and having put zero attention on my appearance and just really feeling that magnetic energy, right? It's so complicated with being a woman out in the world and that magnetic energy. But anyway, I'm not even going to get into it because there's a whole thing about consent and feeling unsafe. But okay, so there's that. Um, And then it's a time, you know, from a productivity perspective, it's a great time to be going to a networking event or being at a conference or making connections. I know when I was launching my book during ovulation, I really would listen to who do I feel like reaching out to from a PR perspective. And I was just doing a lot of Instagram DMs. I was doing a lot of outreach during that time because I felt like it. So this is like, this is really the key. Do the thing you feel like doing. And you will get better results when you do it at the time you feel like doing it, as opposed to always trying to get yourself to do something that you don't feel like doing. That should. Which is like our whole work culture. Right? The should list. Yep. Next phase is the autumn energy. It's the same as the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. It's the same as the waning moon moving from full to back to new. This energy is about completion, tying up loose ends, detail work, bringing your energy inward. You know, think about like the little squirrels running around gathering acorns before the winter. It's like that nesting energy of I am preparing to rest. So wrapping things up. The luteal energy and luteal phase is actually a little bit longer in your menstrual cycle, 10 to 14 days, as opposed to the other phases, which are like five or six days. And that's really cool because our body is organized to give us more time to complete things than it gives us to start things because it takes more time to finish things up. It's a beautiful divine design. So the luteal phase also gets a bad rap because it's the time that you may have PMS if you have hormonal imbalance, but this is not normal. So A, you don't have to have those symptoms. There's plenty of things you can do to heal that. I'm not a hormone expert. I recommend following Nicole Jardim is a wonderful person. There's another great book called The Fifth Vital Sign by Lisa Hendricks Jackson. Many, many great resources. And your mom. Oh, yes. Also my mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of the cat in the back. Nobody knows, but her mom is the one I always recommend for menopausal. Her book is kind of my Bible when it comes to menopause. So follow Kate's mom also. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. She's got a great one in your reproductive years for Bodies, Women's Wisdom, and then a great one for perimenopause and that transition called The Wisdom of Menopause, but also a lesser known book, but really fun one called The Secret Pleasures of Menopause, which fewer people know about, but Mm -hmm. is really short and really juicy. So 
grab that one. Yes. <laughs> we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Okay, fantastic. So during this time, during the luteal phase, you will have a heightened attention to the negative. So what's not working will be louder <laughs> than what is working. This does not mean you're crazy. Oh. This does not mean you need to burn your business or your house down or leave your partnership. This doesn't mean you need to ship your kids off. It just means you'll be more aware of what needs your attention in your life. It doesn't mean you have to do anything about it, but just know that if you're more irritable, like I'm definitely more irritable from probably days 25 to 28 of my cycle. And then I usually, you know, start my period on day one after 28 days. Like if Mike says something, my husband, it'll, you know, set me off wrong. And then it's just so helpful to know, oh, I'm just super, super sensitive right now. Great. I don't have to do anything about that. That's great. I don't have to like ream him mm -hmm. out. I'm just hypersensitive. Okay. So I love the, I love the cyclical living piece because it allows us just like a detoxification system that every month this stuff comes up for us to pay attention to. And it gives us an opportunity to then take it into the winter of our cycle. And the winter time is when you actually bleed. So it's men's, the menstrual, it's, it's confusing because we call the whole thing, the menstrual cycle, but then there's also a menstrual phase within the menstrual cycle. So it's the bleeding time. You have your period. It's also the same energy as the new moon and it's your personal winter. And so this is the time when your intuition is the most heightened. So we have much more internal clarity when it's dark outside during the new moon, there is no lunar light. And so we are forced to look inside because we can't see outside. So we see inside. And so your left and right hemispheres of your brain will be the most interconnected and you'll have the greatest access to your intuition during the menstrual phase or the new moon, depending on what you're tracking. And this is a really great time to make decisions, to really go inside and get access to your inner information. If you're coming up with, I don't know exactly how you work, but I'm just pretending like <laughs> if you are looking for some internal guidance on how to eat yes. during your period would be a great time to ask your body, like what would work well for you? And then come up with a plan from inside, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's a great time. I, I have friends who will text me like, should I do this thing or should I do that thing? I'm like, what day of your cycle are you on? Can you wait? until you're bleeding to make that decision. And so I always say, if you can wait, wait. But that wintertime energy is the time for rest, for reflection, for evaluation, and for deciding like what needs your attention during this next cycle when you're about to head into the new beginning time again, what needs your focus? What needs your attention? And the information you gather during that luteal autumn phase will serve you. And then you sort of bring it through the evaluation segment of your menstrual phase, your winter time, and then you bring it into new beginnings in that springtime energy. That was an amazing recap. Thank you. You're so welcome. It is reinforcing this knowledge that we have that our intuition, this magical thing that we have within us is there to guide us. And when we take an approach of control, right, of planning everything and having the same thing every single day, we end up feeling very lost. We feel anxious. We feel stressed because we are not in alignment with ourselves and our intuition. Yeah. So this will lead me into the concept of surrendering because for many women listening right now, this is like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not going to do the same thing every single day. That's very difficult when you are in a control state. Yes. So the thing to know is that men have a hormonal cycle that cycles every 24 hours. <laughs> Women have a hormonal cycle that cycles every 28 days. Our world is set up for men. We live in a patriarchy. So it makes sense that you would feel like you're supposed to do the exact same thing every day because that's how our world has taught us that we need to be. But that's yes. the internalized patriarchy. <laughs> so also, it just doesn't make biological sense. So let your biology lead you instead, which is also linked in with your intuition. Thank goodness. Yes. And then surrendering. It's really scary. I am somebody who has followed food rules. You know, I think I went on my first 
program of some kind when I was probably 13 or, you know, 11, 12, I don't know, some early, Mm -hmm. way too early. I mean, any time is too early, but, (laughs) Um, and I've had to do a lot of recovery around this and pregnancy helped for sure. Like pregnancy made it very, my body was speaking so loudly about what I needed to eat. And it was just like, Mm -mm. so yeah, it's just was like, I want this thing. And then it would show up and I was like, I do not want this thing. And I just couldn't make my, you know, it was weird. So that was great. And then nursing, same thing. I just was very clear what I need, what I don't need. A second pregnancy, it was less loud. And then I'm still nursing my second baby. So was it less loud or by then you were more in alignment with your mm, highest great question self or your intuition? Yeah. Maybe it was, it, maybe it just felt more normal. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so great to say, okay, well, just for this nine month period, I'm going to let go of my food rules because I'm nurturing a baby and my body's making it very obvious what it needs. Like when I was nursing Penelope, all I wanted was potato chips all day long. I ate so many potato chips. I couldn't even get enough. We were going through like five bags a a week as a family, which was all me. (laughs) Family of one. (laughs) Family of one. And it was amazing to just like, my body felt really good. On eating potato chip. (laughs) Which is wild. Never in a million years would I have let myself eat five bags of potato chips. And my body was doing healthy things. It was also, you know, not that I needed it to, but it was also releasing some of the baby weight. And like, I was floored by that. So surrendering Mm -hmm. to like, if my body is telling me I want something, that it needs something, what would happen if I listened to that? It turns out like all the good things happen when you listen to that. And it's the same for what do you feel like doing today? Mm -hmm. What kind of sex do you feel like having Do you feel like sleeping? Well, if you're tired, maybe just sleep, you know, (laughs) so simple. But we really, from very young ages, have been taught that what we want is wrong. Yes. That we can't trust it and that somebody else needs to tell us what's right. So it is a challenge to reconnect that. But with daily practice, like you just said, it maybe it seemed less loud during my second pregnancy because the, the connection was so much stronger. And because you trust yourself, there's a factor also that it is within the business world where you follow a routine every day. Like right now, it's really strong around morning routine where you like every minute counts to get the meditation in and the journaling and the this. It's very similar to a diet, right? I can't with that. I just can't. <laughs> it's like the first two hours of your day is minutized. Like that is not intuitive leaving, living neither. No. The same way that dieting is not an intuitive eating standpoint because you're not tapping in and it's not going to be the same every single day based on your cycle. Based on your cycle, based on your season of life, you know, there's so many factors based on the season of the literal season. You know, I feel like working out outside and sweating a lot during the summer. In the wintertime, not so much. Mm-hmm. Like it's more like yin yoga or whatever. And they're both super valuable. But I, I love the analogy with the men cycling on 24 hours and living in a patriarchy system right now and forcing ourselves to fit the system instead of having the courage, because it's almost a notion of courage to step out of that and say, no, actually, I'm going to tap into myself. It is a revolutionary act. I mean, it changes the world every time a woman listens to her inside and acts based on that, it changes the system. It really does. It breaks down the patriarchal systems that have kept us bound for centuries and it sets one woman free just for that day. (laughs) And that makes a huge difference. And that puts us back in our power. And I'll connect that if you don't mind with body image. Because that's, let's face it, that's a struggle that 91% of women are struggling with. And we struggle with body image because we have this ideal of a body we should look like and be like, which is a patriarchal idea of what a woman body should look like. And we strive, strive, strive to achieve that notion instead of what we should be and look like and be like. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
this occurred to me just this weekend, so I haven't really had the chance to articulate it yet, but I'll try now. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Our cultural obsession with bodies yeah. is actually right on. It's just that it's misdirected. So we have this cultural obsession with bodies, which is how do they look? How am I perceived from the outside? But if we redirected that same amount of energy and attention, which is vastly wasted right now, to how do I feel on the inside in an obsession with like in a really healthy obsession with our bodies and how they feel, we would really be onto something. So I think that it's become toxic only because we know intuitively that the body is where the power is, but we've just morphed it into this sort of disgusting way of misusing that power. So if we can internalize it, I think that that's really where the gold is. That's brilliant. You've heard it here first. <laughs> totally. But that's what my entire work is about. It's about, yeah. it's about shifting the perspective and the relationship that women have with their body from a plane of food. For you, it's a plane of business, right? So, and for you, it's about going from the external rule to within rules. And for me, it's the same thing. It's going from outside, even outside of what your body looks to inside because we do have this wisdom. We were born with it. I mean, you've experienced that with your children, right? They scream when they're hungry, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like my girls, so my girls are, one is almost four, one is 16 yeah. months. They don't have any doubt that no. what they want is bad for them or that they need to follow. No, we are raising them to trust their bodies and trust yes. if it feels wrong, it is wrong. That's all you need to know. How do you think from both being raised in the same environment, which by the way, I'm from Quebec, not far away from you. Mm-hmm. So being born in the same environment, I don't have children, but how much do you think your girls' lives will be different than yours based on how you're engaging them with life? Mm. Well, you know, I think that we all, whether we're parents or not, would like to upgrade things for the next generation. Yes. And so my hope is that they are, you know, I have a friend who has a 13-year-old daughter who's in eighth grade and her and her girlfriends, these 13-year-old girls, wear red to school to celebrate the power of their periods. Amen. (laughs) And they're like at this public school in Portland, Maine. You know, it's not even like they're at a woo-woo alternative high school. No. (laughs) They're just out there. And when I heard that, I just like, God, Terry, it was not in a million years would I have done that when I was 13. And it's not been that, you know, whatever. I was 13, 23 years ago, I guess. That's not that long, at least in geological time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so here we are, right? Like only about 25 years later. And she's feeling like she can do that. And I want my girls to know that their bodies are right that they can trust them and that they don't have to fit themselves into these boxes that aren't right. And I was raised to trust my body. I mean, my mom totally raised me that way. And what was different at that time is that she was in a career that did not allow her to do that because she was such a pioneer as a woman in a man's world at a time when the only way to make waves and get where she wanted to go was to essentially embody all of the qualities of a traditional man. Yes. So she could talk about those things and sort of believe in the wisdom of the body, but she couldn't really practice it as much. And so for my sister and I, you know, I think it's a really important thing to know that there's a difference between what we say and what we do. Yes. And our children and other people in our lives, our partners, our parents, all the people are far more affected by what they witness us doing than what we say. And I am, this is no shade to my mom. Like she's awesome. And I'm so grateful. And like, I'm excited that I get to take the lineage even further and let my girls see me saying, Oh no, you know what? I'm not actually going to push myself and go exercise. Cause I have my period and I'm actually going to just hang out at home, lying in bed for a day. Mm. And I'm not going to do that thing because I've set my life up that I have those choices. So I'm hoping that they then carry that out and add to the lineage in whatever way is meant for them. 
Absolutely. And to sustain what you just said, it is demonstrated in body image studies that little girl learn not by what mom says, but what mom does without even being vocal, just by her looking in the mirror, the little girl will repeat the same thing just by looking at her mom. Yeah. And I'm so conscious of that. Like when I, you know, if I take a shower with my kids, when I'm, if they're in there, when I'm getting out of the tub, whatever, like noticing how even in the past I might've stood sideways and then sucked in my stomach or done whatever thing, I whatever crazy things we do to realize like, I have a witness right now. Yes. I better look in the mirror with loving eyes because right now my girls look at themselves in the mirror and are delighted. I mean, Penelope does the most hilarious dances and I just, you know, I I just don't want her to lose that. And I know I can't control it completely because like we do live in our culture, but I'm going to do my best. Yes. And I think to wrap this interview, because we're getting to the end, I think everything we talked about, food, body, work, it's all coming back to one thing, which is coming back to within our body. Yeah. Right. And that's where our self worth is. And I would perhaps want to say that's why we're so focused on achieving external thing because we've lost the connection to our true self-worth. I completely agree. So when you work with women, you work in the business setting, right? So people coaching, I would want to say. Yeah, I have a membership and there's group coaching and then I have like a mastermind thing. But it's all centered around this cyclical living and tapping within our wisdom, correct? Yes. It's all centered around, you know, we call it the do less method, which is achieving more by doing less. And really the way is by putting our bodies first and our business second. Hmm. And that's a shift. If women want to do that shift right now, what would be three tips you would give them like to begin that journey? So number one, start to track your own energy levels throughout the month, either with your menstrual cycle or with the moon or both, depending on what's appropriate for you. Mike and I did an episode of the Kate and Mike show, our podcast about all the answers to your cyclical living and period questions, which is a great kind of starter spot. If you want to start. We'll link to that. Yes. Great. So that, and then number two is throughout the day, you might even set a little reminder on your phone. Ask yourself, what does my body need? Like ask your body, what do you need? And then practice doing that thing, whether it's, I need a deep breath. I need a glass of water. You know, the number of times that I work far beyond the time I need to be, I mean, it's ridiculous. So, (laughs) right. I'll give you an example after I give my girls, but like, think about the number of time you think you want to go to pee, number one, number two, whatever, and that you're sitting at your desk and you stop it to prioritize work. You don't even listen to that basic signal. Yeah. And I think that when we change the basic stuff, the more complex stuff begins to unravel as well. This stuff doesn't need to be complicated. So give your body what it needs throughout the day. And just, but just even asking the question, what do you need? Even if you don't do the thing, I think is a huge step in and of itself because just awareness shifts things. So track your cycle, ask your body what it needs. And then I would say number three would be then let that inform your to-do list, your calendar for the week. I call it self-sourced scheduling. And I am about smashing the patriarchy with our planners. (laughs) So how we invest our time shifts our entire lives and shifts the world because women who own their time, who value their time are women who value themselves. And it's a, you know, just like you work with food, we can work with time. And by the way, it's all the same freaking thing. So, (laughs) so let these questions, where am I in my cycle? How do I feel? What does my body need? Let that then inform how you live your life and literally how you schedule your life. And and that's why I wanted to have you here because how you interpret business and how to, to do business is exactly what I do with food and body. Right. And that's, that's the message that I want the listener to take home is that once you become an intuitive eater, you become an intuitive being. And then you grab Kate's book and then you start applying that through business and living and family. And then you become happy and healthy effortlessly. Effortlessly. Well, thank you very much for having been with us today. 
Thank you. This was so fun. And we'll link to the book. And I know you do have some bonuses for people, right? When I'll link, uh, your assistant gave me a specific link and there's bonuses for people. There are, yeah, there's some really great goodies. One about how to set boundaries, a manifesting masterclass yes. with Dr. Shafali Sabari, all kinds of great stuff. Awesome. Thank you very much, Kate. So there you have it, ladies. I hope you learn or further engage yourself in the power of what Kate calls your hegs or your cycle wisdom. Now, for my academy student, you want to add over to our community, our Facebook group. We have a group exercise in which I'm teaching you how to track your cycle and how to connect the dot. If you're not an academy student, then you perhaps want to use a journal or I use my Google Calendar, right? I've put in into my Google Calendar my expected time of my period, my follicular phase, my ovulation, and I've put myself some notes in there on how Kate described it of how my body typically reacts and what is good for me in those times. So when I plan my days, my week, I can connect to which phase of my cycle I'm into. You can also do that in a planner on paper. So plan at least a month or two ahead. So when you do your like detailed plan for the day, the first thing you want to do is look at which part of your phase you're in and what is best for you. So that is your takeaway exercise. Now, I would love for you to leave us a review. Now, a lot of you have been doing that and I'm very grateful for that. We need more. The show is currently trending up on iTunes and Stitcher, which is amazing because that means we're getting the message of intuitive eating to more women, which is my mission, right? To let women know they have a choice of not dieting and they can come to the world of going beyond the food. So please leave us a review that helps us tremendously rank the show. You can do that directly on your phone if you're using an iPhone and iTunes or directly on Stitcher on your Android phone. You can also come to our website, stephaniedoze.com slash review and leave us a review and I greatly appreciate it. I love you, sister, and I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode. <laughs>